Welcome to the City Life Lansing podcast. We hope this message empowers you to love life, love Jesus, love people, and dream more. You can connect with us at citylifelansing.com. You belong here. You know, every situation I've seen this week, I was reminded that I got two different opportunities to look at it in one of two ways. I got two options. I can see it as bad and negative, and I can see all of the the issues and the obstacles, or I can see the opportunity, and I can see the insight that heaven has for a particular situation, setting, or person. And we are choosing as a body here at City Life to see the good report, and I'm so thankful for the Holy Spirit constantly this week, just knocking, knocking on my heart, knocking in my mind, knocking in my thoughts to see things as good. Like, if we believe that Jesus who takes away the sin of the world, took away my sin, then it's good. Come on, there's nothing better than to be eternally set free. Set free. I don't know if how many people have been to jail for over uh, an hour or two, Um, but if you've ever been to jail for over an hour or two, I wouldn't fully know, but maybe a weekend or so. And, and, And when you get out, you're so excited because you've been set free. You're like, everything's good. I don't care if someone's like, hey, where are you going? You're not picky. You're just like, hey, I'm just excited to be along for the ride. True story. True story. You know, there's a lot of news out there. And you got any CNN watchers in the house? How about Fox? Uh-oh, it starts getting where people are like, you know, I mean, it's like a riot between the two. You, it's like you look at people differently. It's worse than a rivalry in sports. Oh, you watch CNN? Oh, I watch Fox. Oh, you watch Fox? Oh, I watch CNN. Well, it's a good thing we have Jesus because that's all we can agree on for the rest of our life. When you read the newspaper, you see material and you see things constantly reporting something. I got a newspaper here. It's just yesterday's. Here's a few of the headlines. It says, research finds background sounds more distracting to children's brains can hinder learning. It's called, uh, this, you know what this is called? Above the fold. It's a little phrase used for above the fold. How about this one? Even a good story. As others stumble, the Spartans look ready for March, but others are stumbling. It would be horrible to be the others, wouldn't it? Obama starts vetting candidates. As soon as you just throw anything political, blood pressure just starts raising a little bit. What about the bottom right corner? U.S. strike on ISIL is in Libya kills dozens. Vets agency head leaves after audit. Complaints of abuse were mishandled. This is just yesterday. It's called Above the Fold. And then you got this nice picture of this nice lady, and then you're like, oh, she seems really nice. She's a city attorney on leave indefinitely. Oh, whoa. Okay. Glad I read the paper today. Glad I read the paper today. You know, there's studies out there that actually uh, proves that we like bad news more than we like good news. Even for those that when interviewed that said they liked good news, when they did a study, they found out that they were more likely to click on bad news. And it got 30% higher results um, for the bad news stories, the headlines, for a negative superlative. So like this, this adverb or this action, like stop, don't, kill, crying, dying, all these things, and 63% higher click rate for the negative 63% higher. So if you own a news station or you own a newspaper, what news are you going to put out there every day? Come on. You're going to put negative stuff. 
We don't even realize that we're constantly being flooded with it. We're subjectively being influenced by everything around us. And it's so hard to find something positive. It is. You hear about the one kid who didn't make it home, but what about the millions that did? You hear about the one person that went loony, what about the millions that didn't? There's a professor in Harvard. His name, I want to get it right here. His name is Stephen. Where is he? Stephen. We've got to get Stephen right. Stephen. We can't mess up Stephen. Here we go. Stephen Pinker. <laughs> Maybe he would have been happy if I left his last name out. Stephen Pinker, he's a Harvard psychologist. He actually has a study out that says, um, for the course of history, we're actually living in the best days ever, the, the least violent in the, in the history of mankind. It's the best news ever that could be reported right now, ever in the history of civilization. It's kind of crazy because if you hang around most people, you think it's the worst ever. Why? Because there's actually a naturally instinct in us that bad news can be good. It's actually for our survival. Sometimes it can keep you aware Okay, danger, don't go here. I've quoted this before, but I, the movie Earth uh, with Will Smith, when he tells his son, and they, they, they crash down on Earth, and they, they're, they're on this crazy chase, and the animals are super advanced, and, and his son isn't you know, fully trained to go out there and, and create this, uh, uh, complete this mission to, to save his dad and save uh, you know, the whole, whatever, the mission. I can't remember the full movie plot, but here's the point I do remember is this, is he says, son, fear is not real, but danger is. And it was like, wow, that's so good. Like the bad news, the fear of it doesn't have to be real, but we can be aware of it. And what about the bad news when we look at our souls, when we look at our lives? Because we are all eternal beings. We will live forever. And that reality is confronted to us in a statistic, fascinating statistic. 10 out of 10 people in America die eventually. All of us. This afternoon when I leave here, I'm gonna, I get the honor and the privilege to celebrate a, a, a lady's life who died at 94 years old. She entered eternity at 94 years old. But what about when it's a six-year-old or a 14-year-old? The reality is still the same. It's, it's the elephant in the room that we all want to avoid, that we're mortal. We're mortal. The news that we're mortal and we see bad news and we say, oh, just, we kind of, we do this. We're like, wow, that's, I pray for them. But if we're honest, we're also like, oh, I'm so glad it's not happening here. And we feel separating. And we, as a society, hide the, 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 the brutal facts that we all will die and we will stand before God as we put, where do we put our senior citizen homes? Hidden. The last stage of people's lives is kind of Hidden. It's because if the enemy can deceive us by not having to think about something that lasts forever, then he's winning. There is a real battle going on, and there is real news this morning that is far more important than what we read in a paper, far more important than what we watch on TV, and it affects all of us, period. People have been trying to figure it out forever. People want to live forever. You watch all the movies. They're trying to clone themselves. They're trying to, uh, you know... Uh, protect their organs or maybe half robot and everyone is trying to find the elixir for immortality forever we love the superhero stuff because it gives us a glimpse like maybe there's something more well there is something more 
Romans 1.16, this is the good news. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, good news. Gospel means good news. It doesn't mean choir. It doesn't mean some uh, you know, experience you had in your mind that you're familiar with the gospel interaction. It means good news. So that's very important when you think about this. I am not ashamed of the good news. For it is the power of God for salvation. It's a very weighty word because that implies that we need to be saved from something. Do we believe that this morning? To everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And that last part, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, is encapsulating the narrative of God's redemptive plan for our brokenness of us disobeying him from the beginning. And we see the effects of a fallen world everywhere. All we got to do is go outside, look in our own heart, and we say, well, what is so wrong with people that they would constantly want to put negative material above the fold? Well, all we got to do is look inside the above the fold in our heart. Why do the negative thoughts start to rise in our own minds? Why does the jealousy, the anger, the bitterness, the revenge rise in all of our hearts? Because there's a brokenness in all of us and there's an issue and there's an epidemic and we need to be saved from it. And God has a plan, and thank God he didn't just leave us and desert us because we actually, we'll find out here in a minute, we're gonna talk about it, we actually deserved it because if you betray and you disobey and you're a lawbreaker, you aren't the one that gets to make it right anymore. It makes sense when it comes to the legal system. It makes sense at your job, but when it comes to our eternal stake, we don't want a judge, we just want a lawyer. We wanna be judged to everybody, but we don't want a lawyer for someone else, we just want the lawyer for ourselves. Like, well, at least I'm not as bad as Hitler. So the question comes down to this morning, how good is good enough? Who are we comparing ourselves to? Who? What is the standard? Romans 10, it talks about how beautiful are the feet of those who preach good news. In times of war, they could tell from far they could look at somebody that was a messenger. So a messenger is somebody who carries a message that isn't particularly theirs that they own. So a messenger's coming, and you could tell from afar, oh, it's good news. They don't want to fight us and go to war. Or, oh, it's bad news. We're going to war. And you could just tell by far. So you could just tell by the feet, the way they're running. That's what it means, how beautiful the feet of those who bring good news. So when we show up in a room and we have Jesus, how, how beautiful are our feet? Are we excited or mopey? And when we think about uh, this type of posture, it, it, it translates in life, right? When, when someone you love walks through the do- front door and they maybe had a job interview or they took a test that day, you can kind of just tell by their whole demeanor whether it was good news or bad news. That's exactly what's going on there in Romans 10. Can they tell from afar that we have a message that matters? Can they tell from a distance that, that there's something eternal and there's something significant and that life after death is real? Romans 6.23. And when I'm referencing the Bible, I love this acronym. Wu-Tang made it up. Uh, it was actually a Jizza, I think. He doesn't... Whatever. You'll get it. You don't have to follow them, okay, for me to reference it. But what the enemy meant for evil, God can turn for good. Uh, basic instructions before leaving earth. The Bible. The basic instructions before leaving earth. 
So either God's word is alive. It's a good thing I already used that one. God's word is alive, or for real, there's no good news this morning. And I believe um, it's so real, so real that would cause us to adjust our whole life. Not a crutch, not a, some, some weakness in me, and, and, and I just needed help so bad that, that somebody could come in. I'm glad it works for you, right? When people say that, I'm glad Jesus works for you. You found your thing. And I'm like, man, that almost implies I'm like, I mean, like I have a condition or I'm handicapped or something, you know? I said, can we talk through this? Can we walk through this? No, no, I'm not religious. I'm saying, good, who is? What you mean by that? I, I don't think we, we're talking about the same thing. Jesus was the harshest on the people that were religious. The good news to really hear what it means, we have to um, feel the weight of the bad news. Romans 6.23, um, this is written by Paul. Uh, Paul used to be an individual who murdered and killed Christians. So this is talk about a game changer. When this guy's writing stuff, this is not someone who, who is entry level, doesn't get it. Or, hey, I just go to church because my grandma raised me. Or, that's what I'm supposed to do. I just go through the, 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 the rules, the tradition. This is someone who life has been transformed. Knew about guilt. Knew about shame. Knew about condemnation. And Jesus shows up to him in a radical way. And then he devotes his life. And here he is writing to people and believers in the city of Rome. And he's, and he's building this case that we're all broken. We're all broken. And then there's no condemnation in Christ. And there's freedom. And then how to live that out. And then in Romans 6.23 it says this. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The wages of sin is death. There's the bad news. And it's really bad. Because it implies there's a payment. It implies we owe something. It implies that we're broken. It implies that there's an end and it's, and it's, and it's, and it, and it, it's where we don't live anymore forever, we die. And the issue is sin. It's the three-letter word everybody hates. It's like, oh, just don't talk about sin. Well, sin just simply means missing the mark or to be off on our original maker's design for us to be obedient to be in fellowship with God. Sin taints of what God intends to paint. There's a fallen world, and through one man's disobedient, we all inherited that. It, it almost feels unbelievable. It seems so unfair. One person's disobedient, and now we're all born into sin. I couldn't fully calculate every single thing logically when Jesus changed my life. But I intuitively and through life's experience knew one thing to be true. There's something wrong with me and there's something wrong with the world. Didn't matter how much good help fix things I'd get or how many, you know, motivation or get back up, something would be this repeating pattern of just evil and wickedness. This brokenness. This effects. It's every civilization tries to eliminate it and and you try to, you know, take a population that has been criminals and you put them away so we don't have to deal with them. But the issue is all of us have that condition in our hearts, sin. And there's a real, 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 real enemy. And that's why the news is really, really bad. It's Satan. 
It, it sounds kind of uh, like some crazy sci-fi movie, but it's true. Satan's a liar. He disguises himself as good things. I was laying in bed last night and, 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 and meditating on this message, and it was crazy because I don't, this doesn't always happen to me. And I had this dream, this vision, if you will, and um, there was this person walking this person up on stage, and, and it, it, they, they thought like it, they were protecting them. And then the face started to change, and it, it was so wicked and so evil. I felt it. I, I felt it. And it was just, in a weird little way, I felt like a glimpse of how Satan works. Sometimes it, it's easy to know if someone says, hey, let's go rob a bank and let's go get, you know, uh, let's try to, you know, do, do life in jail today. Like, not, there's not a lot of people that are signing up for that class. Somebody is, but, but probably most, not most of us. But when it starts so subtle, when it's, hey, let's hang out with these friends or just try this and state this girl. And then it ends and so much poisonous and brokenness. And because he's a liar, he's a deceiver. He's deceived us all at a young age. He's been deceiving us for times. He's been deceiving our parents. He's been deceiving our families. And that's why that pattern, that, that, that brokenness continues to repeat. And there's, a, there's a rules to this, this bad news. Because if we're a lawbreaker, that implies that we um, have broken some rules. And we think rules, we're probably thinking, okay, another teacher thing. I don't want a teacher, and, and, and you might think of this video. Check this video out. Yes, Charlie Brown's teacher. Can't understand anything they're saying. Can you relate? Your teachers, boss, boring, parents, rules, enforcing, bondage. That's what rules feel like. But when God's given rules, here's what's happening. Get this. This is what's happening. Freedom leading us to perfection, leading us to hope, leading us to our purpose eternally in him. And ultimately, what he did with the law, when he gave us laws to obey, he was showing us and pointing us to Jesus eventually. That we would find that we can't add up. We, we will never be good enough. We will get revelation from the rules and the law of God. We'll get revelation into his character. We'll be confronted with our sin and we'll get instruction on how to live and we'll also get a promise. But we have to comply to who sets the rules. And somebody who sets the rules, we hope that they're just and that they have a, 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 a deep understanding of justice. We, we do. Because if someone's gonna judge you, don't you hope they're gonna be just and that they're going to have a set standard that isn't like the court system that sometimes people get misconvicted and where laws change over time. Is that the type of God we're talking about that is wishy-washy? We are not talking about how we earthly see rules played out. We're talking about timeless, proven, true, the test of time, which has people in 2016 still talking about 12 guys that were hanging out with Jesus. Because his law is perfect. And as a rule breaker, here's what happens. We see the gap. This is the bad news. We see the gap. And we say, I don't add up. You might be closer to God apart from Jesus than I was. But the truth is we all had the gap. And scripture teaches that when you break one sin, you've broken them all. And that eternally separates us 
we're one of two destinations, right? We have Jesus heaven, but hell in our sin. And it's just the effects of that. And Jesus talks of judgment. He talks about uh, Gehenna. Uh, uh, it's a place of fire and torment. It would be a reference of, of a valley, uh, a place that's right south of Jerusalem where there was filth and dead animals in the city that were cast out and burnt. And that's what we're talking about. Because if you break the rules of the one who created the system, don't you think there's an issue? So he's entitled to, 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 to do as he wishes. That's the problem. We want God to fit in our box all the time. We want to invent a God. We want to even follow uh, people that are science fiction writers that would invent a God. And the question we really have to ask ourselves today, are all parts equal? Are all gods the same? Are we saying the same thing? I started to recognize so much inconsistencies that it, uh, I knew there had to be something. There was, there was, the, the joke was on me. It was propaganda way past Fox and CNN. I'm like, why is everybody mad at Jesus? He's not like these other gods. He's not giving you rules. He's coming down to you. He's healing the sick. He's giving uh, rights to women. He's being there for children. What is going, why is the game, why are people mad at Jesus? Why do we want to take him out of the songs? He's the only one that can bring and sing songs. What's going on? Why are we talking about, and, and, and no knock on any other religion, like, like, but like when you're worshiping a statue, it's just, it's just not the same. It's not the same. So it's not all parts are equal. Jesus says in Matthew 10, 28, and do not fear those who can kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Don't be afraid of man. Don't be afraid of Fox News. Don't be afraid of CNN. Be afraid of God. Be afraid of God. The weight of our sin. Did anybody else feel that this morning? Like I do, the weight of my sin. The weight of my sin, the bad news of it. What about if we take a test? Three different types of uh, laws of God. You have ceremonial, which is practice of how we try to atone for our sins or make it right. So you have sacrifice of animals, you have offering. Like, God, you know, make it right. And people are still doing this to this day. God, help me make it right. Here's my, you know, uh, cow. And it's spotless. And, and that's what was going on. Even historical teachers will, will say, look at the Old Testament if you want to check out the pattern of history. If you want to see where we came from, you got to look into the OT, the Old Testament. And what you find is that sin is such an issue that there's ceremonies to even atone for the sin in an animal, like a lamb. So that's where that reference comes from. When Jesus is considered as the spotless lamb that atones for our sin, it means something. Something that in our context we fully can't get. We can't feel the weight of that necessarily. So we have to unpack it right now and say, God, show me more of this. Teach me more of this. Then you have a civil law, which is how to interact. The children of Israel, the nation of Israel would interact with, uh, within themselves and then under other nations. And then you had, um, you had the moral law of God, which transcends. And the moral law of God, one of those is the Ten Commandments. Is anybody still with me? You guys still with me? Come on. <laughs> it's all good. Don't worry, there's, there's a redemptive component to the story. <laughs> but uh, I think too often we get to the good news without really counting the cost. The Ten Commandments in Exodus 20, 
This is kind of like our test. Let's see if we pass. Remember, do you want to date me? Yes or no? So do you pass? Yes or no? No other gods. That means worship nothing other than God. No carved gods of any size, shape, or form of anything whatsoever, whether of things that fly or walk or swim. Do not bow down to them and don't serve them because I am your God, your God, and I am the most jealous God. God is jealous. You know why he's jealous? Because he knows the best thing for us is him. Because if God is God, then the best thing for us would be him. We are most satisfied when he is most glorified in our life. So therefore, we don't worship a basketball player's statue. He is tight. I got, I got the logo on my shoes. Thank you to my friend who bought them for me. But, but we don't worship that. Three, no using the name of God, your God, in curses or silly banter. Why when pe- people stub a toe, they're like, Jesus. I'm like, where? That's what I always say now. Where? Where is he? Why are you using his name? What's the issue? You guys starting to see how this is all coming together? It's always about Jesus. People are mad about Jesus. They're not mad about anything else. It's Jesus. Jesus is the issue. But Jesus is the hope. Observe the Sabbath day, Sabbath day to keep it holy. And that's in um, reference to God. In six days, created everything. And then on the seventh day, he rested just out of discipline and said, it's, hey, it's really good. And it's a time to enjoy him in honor. Guilty of that. So I haven't passed any of these. I don't know if you guys have, and maybe you have, and you can teach us things in the hallway. But five, honor your father and mother so that you'll live a long time in the land that God, your God, has given you. This, this one is still hits home. I'll be on the phone with my parents, be like, okay, how do I honor them in this situation? What do I do? How do I love them? And it's complex, right? To honor your parents. Okay, and then here's where it gets easy. Like no murder, no adultery, no stealing, no lies about your neighbor. Now, a lot of us are passing this one. And 10, no lusting after your neighbor's house or wife or servant or maid or ox or donkey. Don't set your heart on anything that is your neighbor's. Now, it's like keeping up with the Joneses when you look to the left of you, you're like, whoo, you see what they got. Uh, when we moved into our house, it took us a while to, uh, to build a place. There was, it was when the, the, it crashed and builders were going out of business. And, and thank God our, our builder uh, helped complete the mission. But it took longer than it we anticipated and, and funds and different things. And we, we didn't have money for grass by the time we got there. So we had this new place. We had a, a duplex. And we had no grass for like two years. So finally, one of my kind neighbors wrote a little note and said, hey, we've noticed you just don't have grass. It's time to get some grass. And I'm like, you know, that's fair. That's a fair. I wish they would have talked to me face to face. Like my first instinct was like, you got to be kidding me. They put it in my mailbox? That's a felony. And uh, um, true story. And so I call up all my friends. Some of them are here and they help me. And I said, we are, I'm getting 150 yards of topsoil, the best, and we're getting grass seed. And we rented a bobcat. And then one night, 10 of us, we moved 150 yards of topsoil. We planted grass seed. And my grass is definitely, somebody in the neighborhood is jealous and they're coveting my grass. Okay, I'm just saying that right now. So it's keeping up with the Joneses. We're comparing sometimes. We find ourselves lusting. And on the no murder, Jesus says, if you have hate in your heart, He starts raising the standard when he shows up on the scene. You have hate in your heart towards a brother or a person. It's like murder. He says, oh, you got lust in your heart. You see this individual and you you desire them. It's like adultery. So we're all guilty. All of us. Guilty. Condemned. Done. The Bible teaches that we're actually dead. We're dead in sin. Unable to make ourselves right. We are like the walking dead unable unable and when i met jesus that's i knew that 
God was pulling me in his steadfast love, and I knew that I just couldn't make this right. I couldn't. The guilt, the shame, the condemnation, what I felt, I could hide it for a moment. Because, right, sin is good for a season, but it ends in emptiness. The bar is good for a season, but it ends in emptiness. And we were enemies of God. Ephesians 2. And you were dead in your trespasses and sin, in which you once were called, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath like the rest of mankind. That term wrath, that means exposed to God's judgment to destroy and give eternal punishment. Like, whew, wow, dead in sin. The desires of our life, deserving of a punishment, eternally separated from God. And we can answer, well, isn't this harsh? But not so. Because God gets to set the rules and... Uh, and if I'm guilty, I don't get to decide anymore. And so therefore, when Jesus steps in the scene with good news, it becomes so real and so alive. As we continue the, passion in, uh, the passage in Ephesians 2. But God, rich in mercy, because of the great love which with he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. If that doesn't make you want to punch through a wall, I don't know what will. So that in the coming ages, he might show the unmeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus, his son. He's pleased in Jesus. That's the cool part. He'll never be pleased in Jerome. He'll never be pleased in you, but he's pleased in Jesus. And then when we're in Jesus, he gets pleased in us. It's amazing transformation. That's what grace is. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one can boast. So that puts us all in equal playing field. We're all guilty. None of us can boast, so we have a level of humility to us. I think that's hopefully what people feel when they come to city life. I see people write things like, I feel like I belong there, and I'm not judged there. Well, I hope so, because the same grace that I've been given God is here for all of us. We're all on equal playing field. Not a result of works so that no one can boast, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. The good news. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. This is unbelievable good news. Unbelievable good news. Like, unbelievable good news. It is. It is unfathomable to the mind. So much so that Paul is so educated, the one who wrote the book of Romans, also wrote a letter in 1 Corinthians, and he says, you know what? You all, the scholars of your day, you know so much knowledge, and you're all puffed up, and you know what? God chooses the weak things of the world to confound and dumb and just make, it, make you astonished as you're in your wisdom. And that I know nothing other than Christ crucified. What would take someone to just claim that? He saw the beauty of the good news. 
that to know the simplicity of the good news is more elaborate than anything we'll ever learn on this whole planet. It's the freedom to eternal life. It is the key. It is the elixir. It is everything. It is the good news through Jesus, period, that he took our punishment. He took the sting of death. He died on a cross, not just on Easter time. He died on a cross for real. And he didn't just die. He took the wrath of God. He took the wrath of God. When he says this, I never got this for years. Father, why have you forsaken me? In that moment, he who knew no sin became sin for us. He became the penalty. He became the, the, the absolute substitute for the atonement we needed. For the payment of what we owed for the wages of our sin. One would scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would even die. But God shows his love for us that in while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So I apologize this morning if um, you have met the church and you've met people. And I'm sorry if you thought Jesus was a building. I'm sorry if you thought he was a tradition. And for that, on behalf of the whole church and um, all the hypocrites like myself that have made a lot of mistakes, we're sorry. But the truth is this. Forgiveness and freedom in the good news is a person. A person that comes to you while you're dead in your rebellion, as an enemy of God, while I'm dead in my rebellion as an enemy of God, and finds me at my darkest place and wraps me in his best, and he forgives us. That's why when they saw Jesus, they said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And Jesus said, I didn't come for the healthy. I came for the sick. I came for those that don't pass the test. I came for those that they know they're guilty. I came for those. Give me my kids we got kids here that need to come back home. So the question is, have you met Jesus? Not church, have you met Jesus? Even, I don't care if you've been going to church 50 years. You might not know Jesus. Just because you're in church doesn't mean you're uh, uh, any more Christian than being at McDonald's makes you a hamburger. It's just not how it works. Maybe you thought you chose God. He chose you. He chose you. We don't get the credit. Oh, how great is me because I made a great decision. He loves me. He's awesome uh, because I'm so elaborately amazing and I was able to divinely decide that you're the truest. No. We sing songs because when we were dead, he came. He said, I got you. Many are called, but few are chosen. And when you respond to that grace, it's just so good. You don't know how else to do. You're like, okay, I'm going to start to fix my life accordingly. Not because I have to, because I get to. When you start to sign up for something you like, a hobby or a sport, you, you change because you are excited about that uh, particular uh, uh, desire now. Like, if you like basketball, you start learning what it takes. And if you love Jesus and you respond to his love, then you just say, hey, Lord, lead me. And here's what it looks like. It looks a lot like losing to gain. It looks a lot like giving up our sin and our brokenness and our shame, and it looks a lot like gaining all of his eternal glory, that we're seated at the right hand of God, that there's no more shame, there's no more condemnation. Even when you have a tough week, you can 
rest in his grace alone. And you can get back up and you can come into the fellowship. You can come around people that are gonna love you through the highs, through the lows, and you're gonna be on this journey and this growth walk and you're gonna be loved. That's what happens when Jesus steps in. That's what happens when we give up our life and we repent. Isaiah had a glimpse of God in Isaiah chapter six and he says, woe is me for I am lost and I am a man of unclean lips. And the Lord touches his lips and takes the guilt away your sin atoned for. Isaiah hears the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And he says, here I am, send me. And he says, go. Go as a messenger. Speak on behalf. Um, two types of uh, people here today. And at least the ones I want to highlight. You have your whole life's been a mess. And you know it is. And God sees it all. And, and above your fold is just wickedness. It's just brokenness and dead in sin. And if someone has read your newspaper, you know you're guilty and you stand before God and, and uh, you need forgiveness. And I wrote the good news on this newspaper is because you need Jesus' report on your life. You need his news on your life. And I'm just a mere messenger. This is God's gospel. This is God's good news. And when people met God, you know what they'd do? They'd fall on their face and they'd just repent and say, God, forgive me. What, what was me? And then Jesus was so awesome, he'd say, come here. Come here, what are you doing? But our response was repenting. When I met Jesus, I remember, I felt it. It was like, oh my goodness, he did this for me. Like, does he know what I've done? And I felt it. I felt it. And I also felt the freedom, though, that he said, come, come. All those are weary, come. All those that are sick, come. 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 If you would just, just take a moment. Just close your eyes, uh, not to trick you into anything, but close your eyes and this is about you and Jesus right now. This is nothing to do with me, nothing to do with the neighbor on the left and right. And you're like, you know what? I need this. I need Jesus. I want to pray with you. Just raise your hand as quick as you can. If that's you, I see hands going up. That's you. Come on, hands going up all over. Don't be ashamed about. Like, I need Jesus. It's all good. It's all good. It's all good. So sometimes I, I get to look. You don't have to look. I get to look because I want to know who the world I'm praying for. Put your hands down. You know, it's as simple as right where you're at saying, Jesus, take my sin, take my brokenness, take my life. Give me new life. Give me your life. Give me your life. exchange for mine. And that's where grace steps in. It's a simple, simple reality. And then he leads you and you walk from there. And the second person I want to pray for is those that, you know what, you walk into a room 
And, and, and people can't even tell we have the good news. If they saw you from afar, they would never think you have good news. And your message has just been atrocious because you walk in and, and you don't bring good, good anywhere. There's no good news. And you know you need more, um, more life. You need to, to remember the gospel every day. The same gospel that saved me, the same good news that saved me is the same thing that's changing me. I need the good news daily. Get that. I need the good news daily. 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 It's the key component to everything you grow from. It's it. It's not like, okay, well, give me the next steps. That's it. It's so simple. That's why Paul said, I claim to know nothing else other than Christ crucified. How beautiful. How beautiful. And you want, to, to, you want more power to be a better witness or a better, uh, carry a better message. I want to see your hand too. You, you just know you got to carry more light. Yes, you go. Hands going up. You, need, you know you need to carry more good news about you. That's good too. Jesus, I pray that by your Holy Spirit, you would empower people to feel your good news today. That eternity is real and death is the fate of us all. That 10 out of 10 people will die eventually and they will stand before you either as condemned and judged or forgiven through you. Let us share that to people. Let us be messengers, not people that lead with the bad news everywhere we go and we think that's the end. Let us carry the good news with it. The good news of you. We pray this through you, Jesus, in your power. Amen. So now when we read Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. You know how you're saved? You just believe and confess with your mouth. Period. Seal the deal. Get here. Stay connected. Be rooted with people that are going to help grow you in this eternal truth. And beautiful things happen as we no longer choose the bad news, but we then live the good news. Amen. Thanks for listening to the City Life Lansing podcast. Loving you and loving the city one life at a time. For more information, messages, and to partner financially, go to citylifelancing.com. You belong here.